This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Put your hands together once more for the panellists for the game podcast. All right, well, thank you all for joining us. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm saying for the benefit of those, those of us who are listening to me on a game podcast bonus. Uh, this is a Q&A we recorded after our, uh, our podcast live at the uh, Freemasons Arms. And afterwards, we, we opened it up uh, to uh, kind of a free-for-all Q&A. Uh, say free-for-all within reason, please. Um, oh, I was just getting excited. There you go. Um, but we're here to answer your questions. No reasonable question will be turned now. Um, let me first reintroduce my guests, who are uh, noted poker player and man of many talents, Mr. Tony Cascarino. Uh, Tony Evans, who has a wonderful range of uh, uh, stories related to his time when he was a, a referee, no less, in uh, East LA. Is that right? Yeah. And Compton. There you go. This was before Rodney King, though, so, you know, it's not that hard. No, no, no. It was, oh. it was over the whole period. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't strapped, were you? I, I, I once got sort of uh, lifted and pickers up, and it rains, and I walked around uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Junior Boulevard wearing a referee's outfit, and we looked like me and my mate like Hitler Youth walking <laughs> around there, and this was post-riots. So we went to a bar, and well, that's another story. And finally, the um, nephew of Royal Reporter Richard Kay and the brother of England rugby player Ben Kay and... Um, it's it's all Vernon Kay. Oh, yeah, Vernon Kay, yeah. The com comedian. Yeah. Well, one big happy family, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, There you go. Oh. All right, anybody want to chuck any questions at us? Now remember, Kay. please. Danny, you've got Danny Kay. Danny Kay, yes, there you go. Um, we don't talk about him. Kay Burley? I would like please, can you, can you please say your name, please? Yeah. For some reason, Skinner, um, he, he used to work for the registrar's office, so he loves to keep track of who everybody is. We know people's names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Jeff Levy, and I would like to ask the panel if they feel that Kenny if Kenny Dalglish's attitude, which in my view belonged to the Dark Ages, in the Suarez Evra affair, contributed to his sacking at the end of the season. All right, well, let's. Um, shall we start with the neutrals or with the Liverpool fan? Why don't we start with the Liverpool fan, Tony? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cass. All oh, right. Um, I think you're spot on. I, did, I don't think it done. Kenny any favours at all. I thought the way he acted and the way um, Liverpool did as a club, um, it certainly didn't do him any justice. I'm oh, sorry, him any justice. It didn't. The, it, he's there to, for me, to try and ease the problem for the club and ease the problem for the player. So I never could understand, and Tony will probably enlighten us all on this. I could never understand when Jeff Sharif said to him in the interview about Suarez and he didn't shake Patrice Evra's hand. And Kenny then has a go at him because he didn't believe. I never quite got how comes Kenny, you know, why didn't that player, it should have been made on no uncertain terms, that you shake his hand? You know, and I never I, got I'm why. I'm sorry if I jump in here, but I may be remembering this, and, and all of you are impartial on this one, so please correct me. 
Didn't he actually say that Suarez was supposed to shake his hand? Yeah, that Suarez yeah but even... So you're saying lies about Kenny now? No, 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 Gab. He should know if he didn't. Yeah. He should have known. Forget about, you know, if, if he's been told and then suddenly you'd be saying to someone, I want to know and make sure you'd... You'd have to make sure that went through. And to be asked the question and then backfire to Jeff Shreves, it made Kenny look, well, it just made him look a dinosaur, really. Oh, sorry, I, yeah, I, I think in this situation, he hadn't been told and he was shocked. <laughs> but I think we need to go back earlier. This was a catastrophic failure of sense and decency by Liverpool Football Club and by Kenny Dalglish. You know what? No one is a bigger fan of Kenny Dalglish than me, but he got this wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and, and it ran all the way through. From the moment that, um, Camoli walked into the referee's office and spelt out what, what, uh, what, what Suarez had said to, to Everett. You know, couldn't they see that the fact that he called him Negro in, while they're having an argument on the pitch would be considered offensive? Camoli spelt it out to the referee and then Liverpool Football Club, instead of putting their hands up and saying, you know, all right, he, in, you know, they argued it was a cultural difference. And there's lots of people who argue that... Was, it doesn't matter. What they should have done is they should have immediately said, no, this is wrong, we apologise, and what we'll do is players who come <coughs> to us from other cultures will issue them with a set of guidelines what they can and they can't say, and they should have apologised unreservedly. However, I don't think it had much to do with Kenny Dalglish getting sacked. I think Kenny Dalglish was going to get sacked wherever he did. But do you think um, Kenny Dalglish would have got sacked if, ever, if Suarez hadn't missed eight games or nine games as it was in the end? Yes, I um, believe they wanted rhythm. Well, but, but, but do you think Liverpool's season would have collapsed as it did? I believe Kenny Dalglish could have won the double and he could have resurrected Christ and he would have sacked him. <laughs> <laughs> that about uh, says it all. Um, gentlemen over here in the uh, fetching Juventus top. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Is it number 28 or number 30? It's 30. You, <laughs> you would say that. Um, my name is Farouk, and um, I wanted to touch on what you had going on about the financial fair play thing. And it's obvious that it's for the bigger clubs to stay as the bigger clubs. Why don't they ever consider a salary cap? Because that surely wouldn't that just eradicate any sorts of problems for the players' wages and all sorts. Um, a salary cap, as an idea, it seems to fit. But what we touched on earlier, and I certainly did, is that clubs will always find other ways of paying Tony Cascarino more money. Terry Henry more say money. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, if, if, if Man United and Manchester City are chasing two players, and no one knows that if we give him this or in, in any way, shape or form, they will do it because they're chasing the better player. So financial fair play or salary caps, they might do like, okay, wage of 300 grand a year or a million pound a year, okay? But they'll find other incentives to pay that player. Um, and maybe, you know, a big, bigger sign non-fees or, or, uh, or to do with what image rights. Or, so there is many, many ways. So the salary cap will only affect a certain amount of players, <coughs> obviously the elite players. But will they make it fairer? Well, well, actually, I, on, on that point, I mean, Tony is, as you've probably gathered by now, Mr. Tax Avoidance and Offshore tr Trust. Um, I advise, I advise uh, Glasgow Rangers. <laughs> um, I don't think the objective, well, I mean, there's the argument against a salary cap to make it quote unquote fair. Um, there's a whole host of issues with that. One is it would make it a cartel. It would make it, um, it would basically be an illegal restraint of trade. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. American sports, they get away with it because what, they have what, an antitrust exemption. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think it would stand up to legal challenge. No. Three, if you put a cap within a, a certain country, players would just, just go to another country mm -hmm. with and pay them more. One thing which is viable, which I think financial fair play, even though at UEFA they all deny this, I think could be evolving towards, is a luxury tax. And, and that is, if you look at, um, among the punishments for violating financial fair play um, are fines. So if you look at it and you say, all right, Manchester City, you're 20 million outside the financial fair play limit. For every pound that you go over, or every euro that you go over, you have to put one euro into some kind of central pot, which then will be used to you know, increase Champions League fine, uh, uh, prize money, or you know, perhaps go to grassroots, or go to good problems, or maybe you know, er eradicating racism in Ukraine, or, or useful good things that we can all agree are generally good. Um, I, even though they deny it, I think that's where we're going to end up. And I think that's actually not a bad place to be. If Mansoor wants to go and blow all the money he inherited from his uh, ancestors and that God decided to deposit under his, uh, um, on, uh, under his feet where he lives, that's fine. But if you're going to do it in, in our system, share it out. I, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a bigger point here. And I think the biggest red herring in football is that player wages are responsible for the state of the game and the finances of the game. And you know what? I personally would rather see the money generated by football, by all the television, where the money go to the likes of the, the people who play the game, the, who perform and who win at the highest level, rather than be taken out of the clubs by the administrators, by the owners, and that sort of thing. Even Michael Owen. Even even, even Michael Owen. You know what? Michael Owen was was was. was it was a good player, <laughs> you know, and a good, good but selfish. And you know, and, and he's had a good career, and he's scored goals that's lifted people off the feet. I'd rather see him getting paid. Not for United, he hasn't. Well, that's all right. All right. <laughs> we have another question up here. Um, yeah, my name's James. Um, it's kind of linked to that question and yours, Tony's answer. Um, all the news coming out about Eden Hazard now joining Chelsea for masses of money. Um, both for him and Chelsea. Uh, my question is, do you think that players have too much power um, over clubs nowadays compared to how maybe it used to be? Not as much and as managers. <laughs> you laugh, managers have the greatest deals. I'm talking about top flight, not, not second league, two, three. Managers are getting paid fortunes now in the Premier League. They have the League Management Association giving them the best backing they can, which is arguably a good thing for them. They can walk out of football clubs. They can, if, if, if Sir Alex Ferguson tomorrow wanted to leave Man United, he can walk out. You know, they can do that, managers. It's, no player could do that. It, it, I think, I mean, Cass is on this. I know he's not sure your question, no, but, but I'm 100% with him. And on top of that, we have the charade where every time Richard Bevan pops up and talks about what a tragedy is, so-and-so, mm -hmm. you know, Martin O'Neill's been let go and he's only getting a couple million in compensation. It's, it's a complaint. We are, we are being taken for suckers. And yeah. if there's one person I think you should never, ever, ever feel sorry for is a Premier League or a Championship manager because he got sacked. But play, players, um, players, when they're winning and they're being successful, have power, but they're discarded really quickly. Yeah. There's a great quote from American sports about a player in a negotiating contract. He says, every time we say it's, about, say it's sport, they say it's a business. Every time we say it's business, they say it's sport. Yes. And, Owners well, ring everything yeah. out of place. With, with, with that in mind, I want to give you the last word on this since um, you're from up north. Um, <laughs> could there, could we ever see actual, an actual like proper players' union where they maybe 
band together and say, all right, you know what? We're the players. We want a bigger share of this, a bigger licensing of that. And you know what? The calendar, we don't want to play the stupid League Cup. Put it where the sun doesn't shine. And we want this and we want that. We want these kickoff times. I mean, we want this kind of protection when there's injuries or otherwise we're not going to, we're going to strike. Now you're going to tell me it's not going to happen as long as Gordon Taylor's there. Could you see a future? Could, could somebody who could rally the players together and start making those demands on the owners? And could it be Gary Neville? Well, I think they, they, would have to, uh, they would have to really think about it, wouldn't they? They would have to, they would have to really have given it some thought. I don't think there's that, that kind of mentality at the BFA where anybody would really be get, getting, Not with that, this crew, get, but getting that worked up about anything like that. They, they, they like playing, they like earning their money. I don't think they, they, they worry too much about it. Well, I'll tell you right now, one thing the PFA should get worked up about, I think, is it's ridiculous that a player gets injured, player goes to club doctor for medical advice. I, yeah. I am shocked, and if mm. I was an agent, and every agent I meet, I ask them this, mm. and some of them are honest enough to say that the club won't let them, but you should go and seek your own doctor, since presumably if you're a Premier League player, you can afford it, because there's such an obvious conflict of interest there, and when you see, not cast so much, but you know, players of his age who you know, walk around and, and are limping and have bad Tom, knees, Tommy there's a reason for that. had a cortisone injection before every game, you're supposed to have no more than two in your life before every game. And that's the sort of, you know, the, it doesn't happen so blatantly as that, but there is still peer pressure and club pressure. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing with wages <coughs> and players. I, I think we'd done, I'd done an article about six, seven years ago, and I spoke about the increase of wages. Mm. And I never could see how everyone thinks it could stop. Mm. Um, when I first started playing in the 80s, players in the 70s said, we never earn like you're earning. When I got to the 90s, players in the 80s said, we never, we never earn what you, you're earning now. And it went through three decades. Mm. And I can't see 2020 players' wages being even close to what they are now. They'll probably double. That is probably underestimating where wages are going. Revenues, of course, have gone up much faster yeah, than but it's, wages throughout, yeah, to be it's fair just to players. Incredible. Um, it's incredible. Do we have another, another question, gentlemen here? Hi, it's Eddie Julie here. How you doing? Um, I've seen so many English teams dominate Europe um, with English players throughout those teams at Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United. Um, and yet, whenever we play in the tournaments, every time I've watched us, we seem to have a real monkey on our back and we, don't, we just don't look like a team, but other European sides look fluent and um, really passionate. Um, do you think there's too much pressure on those players, possibly from the media? Can, can I ask a quick question before we check it out to them? I was thinking what you said about English clubs dominating with English players. Any of those English clubs you mentioned, any of them have more than five or six English players in your starting 11? United, well, United in 99, I think, have at least five players. Chelsea, the, the spine of the yeah, team. Is I guess what I'm driving at, you still had Dwight York and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Roy Keane and the Yaps or Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin. Hey, Blomkist, that's not funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but do you know what I mean? Like, if the other people who come in are rubbish, you know, but... I, I, mean, I, I think there's another thing here. I think the so-called golden generation of English players were, were very, very different to, to what had gone before. I mean, frankly, the most selfish bunch of stiffs who've ever worn English shirt, England shirts, they all wanted the team building around them. Ro Rooney, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, they weren't prepared to subvert the game for England. So there was talent, 
But like, I, I, as I say, it's people who, who, who were not prepared to, to be part of a team, and I think that's been the problem over the last decade. I, I think there's a, you know, the, pl the players you mentioned, Rooney, Gerrard, Lampard, etc. I think that is a product of English training and, and English coaching, where, where people think that way, where people get to the edge of the box and want to shoot, rather than, and, you know, rather than continually look, looking for the short pass, looking for the next option. I, I think they are players brought up an English way, and if you say that they're <coughs> selfish or the most selfish players, I, I just think they're the, some of the best players in England have produced in re recent years. The, the problem is that they're very English type of players, and they've looked better in their clubs with very, you know, with very un-English type of players. With mm. them, you know, Lampard with McAuley behind him, Gerrard with uh, Mascherano and Alonso mm. behind him. I think they look better with non-English type of players. By yeah, non-English exactly. coaches. Yeah. Um, but, but incidentally, I, that, that group of players, Gerard Lampard, Rooney, Ashley Cole, etc., I, I think they're underappreciated by us. I, 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 I would say about Ashley Cole, I think he's been the one truly world-class English player the last decade. <laughs> I like Wayne Rooney myself. But. What, what's his position? What? What's his position? We were kind of, we're kind of now. What was Maradona's position? I mean, yeah, but Maradona, Maradona won games. Maradona ten tournaments. Does Rooney do that? Rooney scored an that? overhead kick that was pretty good, <laughs> as I recall. Oh, he shins. Um, <laughs> Rooney's a good player, but he's not world class. Gentlemen here, uh, and I'm biased for you now, out from a Liverpool fan. Um, just, just a question about Please the English. your name. It's very important to Skinner. Sorry, it's, He's it's logging there, there at the back. So it's Richard Levy here. Just, just a quick question about the England team. We, we talked right at the beginning and we said a lot of players have been left out, possibly. I mean, you were quite upfront about it, Tony, because of the harmony situation. It seems to me, though, that there's a quick solution to this. Can't we just remove the root of the problem? And we all know who he is. He's not particularly good. If we win it, he'll be in all the photos anyway, so we can fly him in so we can do that, because he likes that. But why is John Terry in this squad when... Numerous other players are not in it because he, he doesn't seem to be able to get on with anybody. Uh, you know, there, there, is, there is a strong argument that John Terry's there on merit. I think he's slowed down in the past two years. He gets caught under the ball now more than he's ever done in his career. Uh, he's not as mobile as he was. But he's still in the top three centre-earths in this country. Okay. I think so is real Ferdinand. So you would obviously take him. Anybody on this panel would well, not I, take John Terry to the... To, to, to the Euros on merit, leaving aside his personal. On merit, I'd take him. Right. Is anybody here who doesn't think John Terry is among the top three English centre halves? Please make a noise rather than raise your hand because that works better on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let, me, let me ask a question. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Two of them from the two years. Who are three better centre-halves, son? Yeah, yeah, but the point is, if you take oh, Tony, no. you now can't take half of the other players in England who you would take. But no that, that wasn't the question. It was on, on merit. We asked... Yeah, yeah, but yeah and, and I agree with you. Yeah. I'm on your side. But we asked, uh, are there three better centre-halves than John Terry uh, eligible for England? And... If he's that's one person, he's not three people. He's not the Trinity yet. Lescott? Okay, so we got Lescott, Ferdinand, anybody else? Chigielka, Cahill. Cahill. I've got, I've, got, I've got to say, none of those names convince me. The, the thing is that... I think he's kind of a theoretical mm. player. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that, that, that both... Hodgson and Capello have had to look at this and have had to weigh, to weigh up the, the, or they felt that they've had to weigh up the personal issue as well, and they've effectively found themselves choosing between the two of them, mm. Ferdinand and Terry, and they've both gone with John Terry. See, can I, I just say I, 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 on this I, I, point, because I had some input insight in the previous England manager, for whatever reason, he never actually saw much of an issue within the, within the England squad. There are people who maybe wouldn't have gone out for, for a meal with John Terry, and if they had, they certainly wouldn't have taken their wives along. But <laughs> even the people who genuinely didn't like him thought, at least in my experience of feedback I was getting from his coaching staff, thought that he was a plus on the pitch, and that the players there were professional enough to know that I may not like him, but he's going to help me achieve my goals, and that is to win, win a World Cup. Now, that may have changed there is, there is a, more recently, but... There is a, I think, probably Ryan, we played England over about a 20-year period, never got beat. And there was a real selfishness around England players, played with a good few at my club level, where they, they put the shirt on and there was this Im- immediate effect of grandeur there. Now they've made it, they've made their arrived. There was a good few of them. And I always felt with England that they don't identify their best players and try to win a tro- trophy with players you go, he can, win me the, he can win me a tournament, like Zidane did or like a Maradona did. You know, maybe they don't have that particular player, because probably I'm a bit like everybody else. I don't think, apart from Gaza, who I think you could have won a tournament with, 96 Euros, England could have easily won that tournament, but there was an incredible bunch of lads. That group were the best group England have had for a long, long time. The Steve Stone group. <laughs> I don't mean as players. Right, no, yeah. Gab, Gab. That, that I, group of people. Well, I'm talking about funny, people. Why couldn't they? Because I keep hearing this. And how brilliant Terry Venables is and so no, on. No, no, Why no. couldn't they freaking be anybody in that tournament? I'm talking Who as Who did they group. beat in the tournament? Dutch. One team. One team. One team that didn't even qualify for the previous Gab, World Gab. Cup. I'm so talking as a group, of, a group of players. A group of players who were great attitude and were very good players. They were. Were they, were they really such good no, players? No, they were very good players. 
I don't one team! <laughs> it was a good squad one team as well. But the, look, going back to my point, before he keeps interrupting, going back to my point, I think it's, it, there is a tendency with England players to really think they've made it and they put themselves above their station. There's too many that do it. And I always felt, and okay, we were nowhere near England as an island group. As a player for player, we were nowhere near. But we always felt... Otherwise you'd be playing for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Fashion, you. Yeah. John Fashion, you played for England. Good point. Mark, it's, it's a fair no, point. No, Mark was a good player. Mark was a much better player than him. Um, so my point was, was really that I do think that England have to come down a bit. And I, I got told a story, I just want to switch just slightly on this, and it typifies Barcelona. And it was Martin Keown was telling me about Alex Schleb, who went to Barcelona. And he said he went there and he was speaking to Xavi about wanting to get a Marlborough McLaren car, sports car. As you do. As you do. But come to a new club. He said, I want to get one. And he said to him straight away, great, don't bring it into the training ground. And like, what? We don't drive them. Our supporters, supporters see us as this. We are on their level. We, we perform for these... T and I think that's the mentality. You go round all the car parks of the, the Premiership, and th there are foreign players who are the same, but a lot of English-based players are very much like that, where they just think... Mika Richards. It's a great example. Mika Richards, at 18, was buying two Bentleys. You know, why do they... Why can't they be channelled into the mentality of the group ethic, the way of, you know, building something special? Because they're all good enough. I really believe that. Um, Sorry, Gab. No, no, that's fine, that's fine. We've got a bunch of questions here. Um, we're going to take, um, take we can one more question from the floor, but we will be sticking around so you guys can chuck out more questions um, at us. Is it, if I may take a very quick aside on that, the John Terry point, teammates. I've spoken to, not Cass, but other Republic of, people who were on those Republic of Ireland teams that played with Roy Keane, and they often said he would, could be a colossal pain in the rear end. Yeah. But, and they genuinely didn't like him, and some, at least one player says he was genuinely scared of him. Um, Wrong. I didn't. But, <laughs> but they were happy to have him on their side yeah, on the yeah, pitch. Yeah. And I think it works a little bit like that with, with John Terry, although I have to say Roy Keane's Do one of my favorite players. You see he's running with Charles now, he's doing jogging. Running with who? Uh, the Charles, Adrian Charles. Oh, he's been training with him. No, I, I, I missed out. I missed out on he's that. He's been training with him, um, but I was so amazed because he never run with us when we trained. <laughs> he never run with the players. He ran on his own. Now he trains with Adrian Charles. <laughs> he is he's doing it out of charity, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Roy Keane is a bit of a personal hero of mine, as you probably figured out. Gentleman in the back there with the um, designer beard. What? All right, can we take Blue Chew, Skinner? Is that okay? Thank you. Uh, um, uh, Frank Fielding, the Derby goalkeeper, found out this week that he hadn't made the cut for um, both the Euro squad as the third goalkeeper coming he in. He said somebody named Buttman is going. What's it, Buttman? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but also that he hadn't made the he hadn't made the cut for the uh, the GB squad um, because he's just he's played under Pierce, but he's slightly overage. He's twenty four. Who would you guys take as your uh, to the to the Olympics, uh, who would you take as the uh, three overage players? Um, would you uh, do it out of respect for some players who've represented their country, like Beckham, for example, or um, would you go out there to win the gold medal, or do you not really care? I, I don't support Team GB, so I'll throw the question here to the people who feel very British, starting with you, Ollie. 
Uh, okay. In fact, just you. Just me. Right. Um, the Olympics is it's, it's a really it's a really hard one because I mean people have generally I mean it, British people have never really got behind the Olympic football thing. There's there's been no culture of doing it since 1948, and there's you know there's this belief that although they, they did send amateur sides right up until right up until 1970, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Well, it's like you the, of all people would have known. The, this, the, there wasn't an Olympics in 1970, so I'm not sure. No, right up until 1972, Munich. Okay, so up to 71. Sorry, um, the um, but. So, so there's this big sort of bandwagon about David Beckham being involved, and I find that quite nauseating, really. Because I mean, why should we make a special case for David Beckham? He's 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 not the greatest British footballer. He's he's not the greatest British footballer of the last 20 years. He's probably not in, in the top three. Maybe he's in the top five. I don't know. But he, he's not somebody that I would rush to make an exception for. Ryan Giggs, I would say, deserves to be. Um, an overage player. And he's Will his manager an, allow him to? Huh? Will his manager allow him? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently he'll, he'll make an exception for, for, for gigs. Um, and as for others, I, I, I would like some kind of spread, or, you know, Scottish, Northern Irish. If, if those players are, are going to be uh, encouraged to participate, um, I, you know, I, I would like some geographical spread. Um, but well, you only have three guys with which to do the geographical spread. So, mm. <laughs> and if you already have Bale going, that's... Well, but, but, but Bale, no. Bale is um, Bale is in the. He's in the twenty-three. The geeks think it was JB was. All right, this is a family audience here. Record that. On that note, the injunction has already been filed. Um, <laughs> this, this one interesting thing with Rio Ferdinand, who's been left out of the um, England squad, so is in theory eligible to play. To be Olympics. an overage player. But he, um, I mean, he's got this this drugs ban previously that you previously held. Hanging over him, there was this BOA Olympic. Um, can, can I say something about the OCC. BOA just to digress? You, it will be a big digression, but yeah. What? How pathetic are and grandstanding are these people? There are rules that they've subscribed to, mm. and now they want to just change the rules and make them up because there's a freaking BOA. Mm. I mean, right, whatever. I know we're not here to talk about this, but it just kind of really annoys me. But sorry. But so it, according it, to the BOA, basically we couldn't call it real Ferdinand because he was. Exactly. Found guilty of missing a test. He served his time. Exactly. But so, so it, it's uncertain whether you, you can hasn't, make. You hasn't can, the IOC ruled that the BOA stance uh, is illegal? Uh, apparently so. But I, I've not followed the latest developments. But as of sort of b b before the latest verdict, which was about two weeks, three weeks ago, he was in theory ineligible, which is quite interesting. If I were the IOC, I would solve the situation by hiring a group of large men with uh, baseball bats and balaclavas and ambushing all the BOA members as they arrive at the <laughs> Olympic Stadium for the opening ceremony and beating them to a pulp and then donating their organs to people who really need them. Uh, gentlemen in the back. Hi, uh, my name's Dave. Um, there was an insinuation earlier that Roy Hodgson's decision to leave the four players out of the England squad was racially motivated or had a racial context. That was him. Via, that was him. Via, right here. Via maintaining the harmony in the squad. I guess this question then goes twofold in, in why is the media not making a bigger deal out of this? And then two, if this is the case, does this mean that the FA is institutionally racist to some extent? Or is it supporting an action that can be racially perceived? Okay, no controversy there. Then. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think it is a fair question. I said 
I, I personally would love more clarity of this if somebody, mm. and I also, I'm also kind of a little bit offended by the notion that if Mika Richards, for example, believes that John Terry may have racially abused Anton Ferdinand and so it upsets him, he doesn't want to be in the same dressing room, why wouldn't one of the English white players be just as annoyed at having um, mm. a person they believe to have racially abused one of their teammates, one of their colleagues? I, I, this is why I'm a bad, I mean, I'm a bit on dubious ground here because of course nobody at the FA or Hodgson has ever spoken out publicly about this, but um, I guess you spent a lot of time thinking about this and reading their minds. Um, is this something that, I mean, well, what's your take on this? I, I, first are are all, we just I, kind of like concluding that, and does it, does it mean that Ashley Young's not bothered? Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with the, the, the theory. Um, the, 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 so you don't the, buy the, the harmony theory? I buy the harmony theory. Yeah, that's I, I buy the harmony theory, but I don't buy it being the reason behind leaving out certain players. For example, uh, basically, yes, Aaron Lennon has been left out, but he's been left out in flavour of um, Theo Walcott. So it's not a, yes, it's not a harmony Danny, issue with Danny Aaron Lennon. Danny Surridge has been left out in favour of Danny Welbeck. So it's not so, a harmony issue with those players? I don't think so, no. I, so it's a harmony issue with who? I think it's a harmony issue with the Ferdinand Terry. Uh, and that's because that's his brother? Uh, yeah, because, because... What about Mika Richards? No, I, I don't think that's a harmony do, issue. Do you guys think it's a harmony issue? I, I, I don't think Hodgson rates Mike Richards as a player, as I know that Fabio Capello <laughs> didn't rate him. Do you guys see this as a, as a harmony I, issue? I, I think it's a very complex set yeah. of ideas that come into people's heads. I don't think you can say, he sat there and thought, oh, you know, can't have these boys here because they might cause trouble. But I think, I think the knock-on effects of the Terry affair means that he has to think in ways that managers would not normally have to think. And I think to, 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 to say that these considerations never come into his head, well, if they didn't, they probably should have. You know, because you do need the group of players to be tight and together for the tournament. Um, you know, here we are talking about John Terry again. And, you know, and what the, the, the Terry instance has clouded the whole season. Let's face it, an England manager lost his job because of it. You know, what, eight weeks before a tournament? Wait, you no, mean he didn't three actually resign of his own free will the way Alex Horn told us he did? Oh, well, the press release said that, so right. I'm going to believe it, like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but clearly, there are, there are complex thought processes going here. There is not... I, I wouldn't suggest for one second that Roy Hodgson is racist. You know, no. and, the, and there is a racist component to this. But the, the thought process, what can, what can I do is create the most harmonious dressing room? has been coloured, I believe, personally, by the whole Terry incident. And, and so that you move on to the question of, does are the FA institutionally racist? Then you say, is Britain institutionally racist? You can make a fair old argument for it, can't you? Um, I'd like to think it's getting better. I'd like to think, and I do know, the FA have been very, very good are pushing forward anti-racist programmes and the FA will not countenance racism when they come across it. Um, you know, I think they got the Suarez thing just about right. Um, but I do think the whole Terry incident, they didn't need, England didn't need, and Roy Hodgson didn't need. There is a real, uh, and I've spoken to one or two players on this, and there is a real, um, they've hated what's happened you know, the bigger picture of around them that 
between players there's been problems and there's a, sometimes an allegiance towards somebody mm. you know whether it was Terry whether it was Rio they've got brought into it and I think they've all tried to distance themselves with it and that's where there's been divides within the, the, the group um, I should also point out just for the record here that um, Sporting Justice IEDFA decided not to judge John Terry because of the civil case I think they completely bottled it. There's a different threshold mm. for, for sporting justice. And it's also entirely possible that John Terry will walk. And I think we have to, I mean, for me personally, I think you're generally innocent until, until proven guilty. And you either have faith in the institutions or you don't. Um, they so, that case. Sorry? They moved the case. Who moved the case? I believe it was the uh, courts who got the case. Yeah, I think Ter Terry's uh, lawyers got the case. got artificially moved. Well, not artificially. Uh, any well, defendant, but, but if you were... If you break a chair over his head and he sues you, you have every right yeah. to go and appeal through the normal channels to move the case to the time it suits you. Someone who has done nothing wrong has been dropped in favour of someone who may have done something wrong. And that is morally wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. No argument from the panel, as you can see. Um, Chris Skinner, our producer, is, is freaking out. So he's asking me to, to finish. I just have one curious question um, for myself. How many people here, if you just have a show of hands this time, which I know doesn't really work on the podcast, I know, Skinner. How many people would be very happy? Uh, how many people want to see England win the Euros in this room? All of us. <laughs> well, I, I do. Well, raise your hand, Dad. I'd, I'd like to report on that. All right. Okay. All right. That, that's record. In fact, I put it at about eighty percent and um, about twenty-five percent of this panel. So draw whatever conclusions you like. Um, How many people think they will? Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's a bit tougher, but stranger things have happened. Uh, now, sadly, that's all we've got time for today. Now, look, no, we're not going away. We're going to be sticking around uh, for a little while for a drink. Um, I hope uh, you guys will be around for a little while, yeah? Um, yeah. So feel free to, to walk up to us and, uh, and ask us whatever, whatever you like, again, uh, within, within reason. No um, video phones and tape. Yeah, no video phones. <laughs> uh, yeah, this will be the, uh, yeah, the forecast goes all Steve Keen on us. Um, <laughs> so please join us. And just a reminder, um, we're going to be live from, uh, uh, from Euro. 2012. Um, I'm going out there. I'll be uh, uh, presenting uh, a podcast, which will come out a couple times a week. We're going to have uh, our guys out there. Hopefully, Ollie will join us and and and, and others. Um, so please stick with us uh, through that. And um, guys, uh, you've spent several hours with us. I know there's other things you could be doing tonight. It's been a real privilege to have you with us. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to my panel, Tony Cascarino, Tony Evans and Ollie Kay, and thank you all of you for coming out. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.